All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bailey Eichbrett, and joined with me is the captain, Mr. Andy Full. What's going on, dude? Oh, just a long day, you know. Um, everybody's listening to this on a Friday. I've been up since 4.30 this morning, and last night I got maybe two hours of sleep, so it's been a long day. My cat decided that he wanted to play with everything and everything, and he woke up my daughter like three times, and Amanda was passed out and didn't hear a thing. So I took the beck and call and tended to everything. Yeah, it's, it's been a day. <laughs> Life lesson, don't buy a damn cat. Yeah, he's what, five now, I think. So we've had him for five years. He's awesome. Just whenever there's like a moon change or whatever, he just goes wild. What? Yeah, like moon, moon cycles. Yeah, cats. like if there's a full moon or a new moon, he's just insane. So it's like two times put that a month. Correlation together with cats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. They're, Is that actually a thing? Like, oh yeah, like all animals, all animals, even human beings. Walk through a grocery store on a full moon and see how many grumpy people there are, or crazy people. It there's a direct correlation. I'm gonna have to get like a lunar calendar and just see if my fiance gets grumpy around a full moon. She probably does. <laughs> but dude, that's actually kind of funny because that kind of fits our episode tonight. <laughs> We're getting on Casey Reed who is a, a kayak angler, but also uh, does a lot of night fishing, which is something I've dabbled with uh, a decent amount in the past. I haven't been able to do it in probably a year and a half, but uh, I think Casey can agree with me when it's a full moon that it's uh, the bite is pretty gnarly, especially at night. So we'll, we'll get into talking about that, but uh, never really put that together with cats. Full I moon. Put it together with deer, but that's People about it. sleep, fish feed late at night. They don't feed during the day as well. Cats play all night, sleep all day. See, that's why you buy a dog. Dogs sleep Same all night. Thing, dude, full moon. Watch your dog on a full moon. I bet he's a little different. No, dude, my dog is an idiot. He sleeps all day, all night. <laughs> Does not care. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Like, my cat is the same way. He's the laziest SOB ever. And then there's a full moon. He's like, like, my daughter has, like, a little grocery cart. She, like, pushes around the house. And that dumb cat was swatting at it and pushing it across the floor last night. Like, this grocery cart that's four times the size of him. He's trying to swat it and move it around the house. <laughs> Dude, my uh, my mom got a cat, like, I don't know, six I, months ago, maybe. I remember. Yeah. And my, it's funny. My dad and I were talking about this on the phone the other day. And he goes, do not give your wife any glimpse that there's a possibility of getting a cat because the next day she will come home with one. And so, but that little thing, dude, is a little demon. And my, my German at home, my German shepherd, he's like 13 years old. And he's still full of it. Like, he's still got a crazy ton of energy. <laughs> but, like, he's getting to that stage where, like, he's 13 years old. So, he's old. He's grumpy. So he, he does not care, like, for like at all. Like, he just gets grumpy and he'll snip sometimes. Not at us, but, like, that cat. Like, a cat. long time of day. And she, like, was playing with his – because he's got floofy ears. So, she was yeah. playing with his ears. One turn of his head and that cat went from one side of the room to the next. <laughs> it's so good. funny. Yeah, cats, cats aren't smart, but but uh, really good episode today. We're excited. We're going to bring Casey on here in a second, but uh, we got a couple things coming up. Um, look out for another Hobie eyewear giveaway 
coming up Ooh. at the beginning of December. And we got some pretty cool media stuff to kind of go along with it that uh, I think we're pretty excited both on our front and Hobie Eyewear's front to, uh, to show you guys and, and put out there. But uh, Christmas is coming up. Obviously, I was sitting there today, and you know, next week is Thanksgiving. I completely forgot that next week was Thanksgiving. I thought it was like three weeks away. No, nope, it's uh, next week, bud. What? Next week, bud. Bills play the Saints. Didn't I say next week? Yeah, you said three weeks. Don't find me. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, wait, what? It's, it's a day. It's but a no, day. It, it hit me today that like Christmas is like a month away. A month. So yeah. I haven't started any Christmas shopping whatsoever. Same. Yeah. Screw so yeah, that, I mean, I was like, oh, crap. like, yep, got to start budgeting for that and start actually doing something because with inventory for a lot of people now, you're like, you might not get it until like Easter. That's fine. <laughs> Give it to them at Easter. Yeah, we'll get it when they get it. <laughs> it's a holy gift. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> Dude, I think, uh, I think we need to shut up and uh, get our guests down here and start talking some fishing. Sure. But I think without further ado, we'll bring him on, Mr. Casey Reed. What's going on, dude? Good evening, man. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. How are you? It's going good, dude. It's, uh, hey, it's good I'm, I'm... What's that? Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. I'm looking forward to this and um, talking some night fishing, man. That's it's really what I love to do, man. So. Yeah, we've been seeing, uh, we, we follow along with the social media that, and stuff that you've been putting on. And obviously you and I have been talking for a while, not just night fishing, but we talk electronics, especially on the kayak. And I think in terms of what we got rigged up, we're pretty similar right now. So we'll touch up on that a little bit in the episode today. But uh, but dude, it's I, I've been severely jealous of watching all the big striper that you've been posting while you've been catching, uh, catching that night. That is something I've never done. And uh, I think I've now put it on the list of to do. Uh, that's pretty gnarly, dude. It's it's so much fun. Like I look forward to. Well, there's really two times a year I look forward to. I'm a big tournament angler, but the two times a year I look forward to really don't have much to do with tournaments. It's all night fishing and and catching striper. Uh, this time of year, forward till about December, till it gets too cold down here to really want to go out at night anymore. But then the spring as well, um, like, well, I guess late spring, early summer is, is some unbelievable fishing for bass. Yeah, you guys, I mean, down there, your local lakes are what, Smith Mountain, probably Anna. Is there anything else that's really predominant that people might know about? I mean, really, the one closest to me is just Smith Mountain, like, to the closest part of it, I'm 30 minutes away, so that's like, you know, that's that's an easy trip. And there's there's a few other smaller lakes that I fish a lot, um, which we won't we won't mention on here. But um, <laughs> but yeah, there, there's there's definitely some good fishing around. Um, <clears throat> I don't I don't hit the river a whole lot, but we got the James River uh, right through Lynchburg. Um, I, I work in Lynchburg, so it's right there. But I mean, really, I'm just – I'm more of a lake guy. Stick stick to the lakes rather than that moving water. But it's got some really good fishing as well. Heck, yeah, man. So, I guess before we get too deep in, into this in the show, you know, for, for folks that may not, you know, know who you are or what you do, you know, kind of give a little bit of background about yourself, you know, maybe what you do for work, what you do from a, a kayak tournament standpoint, and maybe kind of let us in on – how you got into bass fishing in the first place and who kind of got you started doing that? 
So, I mean, I kind of grew up fishing little creeks, you know, behind the house, fishing neighborhood ponds. And, um, I, you know, I did that for a while, catching catfish, catching whatever, you know, like, like we all do when we're young, just having fun, fun out there catching whatever. But, um, I kind of got away from fishing for a while throughout like high school and stuff. And then I guess I was 20, around 20 something years old and, uh, went out to the pier at the beach one time and they had some fishing rods for, to rent. And we went out there and just started catching some sharks and again, just kind of catching what up, whatever. And that really got me back into fishing. And after that, you know, I came back from the trip to the beach and just started fishing the river, fishing ponds, fishing everything I could, you know, from the bank. And then I just finally got a kayak and got off the bank. And then from there, it's kind of been, it's been history, you know, upgrading kayaks every year. And then finally I got, you know, got a full fledged fishing kayak, thousands of dollars of electronics. And, you know, it's a, it's an addiction now, but, um, but yeah, so I, I work at a uh, ski and snowboard facility here, here in Lynchburg and it's an artificial surface. So it's not, it's not real snow. It's called Snowflex, And, um, the, the university here that that's in Lynchburg owns it. And, and I've been working there for 11 years now and just running the rental shop and doing a little bit of everything around there. But, um, I used to be a big snowboarder and, uh, kind of injured myself a few times. And then that's kind of about the same time I got into fishing. And now, now I fish like I used to snowboard. So yeah, so kind of like almost a perfect timing, you know, for you to kind of move over into a kind of almost a different niche, but, and, uh, Andy, I think Deacon might appreciate this question. Uh, for those who may not keep up with it, our, uh, our other co-host Adam Deacon, who runs business from the bass boat, which is a really cool segment of the serious angler podcast is a uh, very business oriented. So Deacon will appreciate the question. Uh, how similar is the, you know, the snowboarding skiing niche to fishing, like competitive snowboarding skiing compared to competitive fishing? It's a great question. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I've never actually been asked that before, but I mean, there's definitely similarities as to, like decision making because in 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 the snowboard world like when you're competing against other people you're seeing kind of you're seeing the runs that they're doing and then you're seeing what they're getting scored on them and then you're kind of basing your next run off of off of what they're doing you know a, a lot of times you know it's it's real there's a lot of decision on which tricks you want to do and and you know the line that you kind of want to do in that in that competition and um i mean for me tournament fishing is is 75 percent decisions that you're making making those right decisions i mean i i think that's that's pretty comparable in it um obviously i think snowboarding is a lot more uh of a physical activity i mean bass fishing is definitely in my opinion, it's a physical activity. I get tired after being out there in the water all day, but, but you're using a lot more of your muscles while you're, uh, while you're out there snowboarding and stuff, you get <laughs> a lot more sore, uh, when you make mistakes and fall. <laughs> oh, for sure. I agree with that. 
<laughs> well, dude, I'm kind of curious uh, because I think it's, you know, you hear so many stories about people in their first boat and why guys got into boats and all that jazz and in terms of bass fishing. But I think it's a more interesting question nowadays as to how did you get into the your first kayak and why you chose to stay in the kayak route? Because it's a completely, I mean, I mean, it's been around for, I don't know, eight to 10 years, I think, from a, from a, re, a legitimate kind of competitive standpoint. But even still, like right now, it's an untapped market. So I'm very curious, you know, when you got into it, why you got into it, and then what kept you in it, like, till today. So, I mean, I guess it was like eight or nine years ago. Um, I I had a girlfriend at the time, and we would always borrow a friend's canoe and just we'd, we'd go over there to his house, pick it up, and go out to the river and do a float. And, um, I mean, we just, we love fishing, you know, and, and it just made sense to get out on the water. And, uh, she ended up buying us, I mean, it was like a $150 Pelican kayak or something, you know, sit in kayak, just, you know, the cheapest thing you can get basically. And, um, we got out on those all the time. And like I said, from there, I, I had that for about a year and I was like, man, I'm spending so much time in this thing. I need to upgrade. And I upgraded to another kind of crappy kayak you know um as far as the standards of fishing kayaks now anyways and uh yeah yeah and um after i got that that was a sit on top kayak but it didn't have like the raised frame seat or anything you know you're still just sitting on the plastic and again i was just getting heavier and heavier into fishing and i was spending you know 12 14 hour days in that thing and i'd get out and my back was killing me and i'm like all right it's time to upgrade again. You know, at that point I started seeing, you know, making more friends in the kayak fishing world. And I saw the kayaks that they had and I'm like, man, there's a lot nicer kayaks out here. <laughs> and so I went and upgraded to my first old town and, uh, predator 13 and man, you know, it, it's a, it, that's an awesome fishing kayak still to this day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just being able to get out on the water, it, it's, it's awesome. And as far as like, I've had some friends with boats and stuff and I've gone out with them fish tournaments and stuff, but for whatever reason, man, I, I really just love the kayak. Um, I mean, I fish the same waters. It's not like I really use it to get into little creeks that a lot of people don't fish. You know, I usually fish out of a boat ramp on whatever lake is around. So, I mean, there's always boats around, but for whatever reason, I just like, you know, I feel like you're you're a little more connected, in, mm-hmm. in, in my opinion, and I don't know if that's the real reason why, but definitely, definitely feel that way about it. Definitely Thank way you. more in control too, unless the wind's blowing like ninety miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the nice part I think Andy is uh, Casey's got probably I think the most decked out kayak i think in the nation now especially being that he runs an autopilot which has an ultrax in it so uh i guess casey give us a little lowdown now because i know you've recently upgraded and i'm severely jealous of the upgrade but you probably i mean am i wrong in saying that you might have the most decked out kayak in terms of electronics in the nation right now yeah um it's you know there may be somebody else that's that's pretty close but yeah it's it's up there for sure. I mean, you're talking a Helix 10, a Helix 9, 
uh, Mega 360 and now Mega Live um, and, you know, all network together. So they're all seeing each, each, each thing. And um, it's, it's definitely, definitely a lot going on for sure, man. But, uh, but just having, I mean, ever since I first learned the side imaging, I'm like, man, this is awesome. And then the 360 came out and I was like, I, I couldn't wait. It took me a while to even get it. You know, I saved up for a while and I was like, man, I, I want to get it, but I don't know. I don't know. Rigging it on a kayak, you know, and then I started seeing that others have done it. And I'm like, all right, I'm definitely doing it. And, um, dude, the 360 is, is absolutely amazing. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I thought side imaging was like the ticket once I learned that, but the 360 is just, it helps so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially from an efficiency standpoint and making, you know, wasting less time making uh, random casts. You know, you, you're making, if you're an offshore, you know, structure fisherman like myself, it's a huge tool to be able to save time and make not necessarily the importance of making less casts, but making more high percentage casts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, um, like, so I, I found myself, like, I mean, after the 360 came out, it, you know, the original one's been out for quite some time. But so I, so I knew about kind of what it was and just hadn't ever used it. But, like, I found myself kind of using my three or using my side imaging as a 360, you know. So I, I, I know there's like a stump or, a, you know, a brush pile out there. And because I, I went by it and then, I, you know, I turned the kayak and like kind of get an idea, you know, I, I as I'm turning, you see it again on the side imaging and you see exactly where it's at and you can kind of hit it with a cast as you're, as you're turning and seeing it kind of in real time. And, uh, and so, I mean, functionally I was using my my side imaging as a 360 and, uh, it just, it took so much more time to figure out exactly where everything was that you're trying to cast to. And now the 360 just rotates itself. You can be spot locked and, you know, right in front of it. Doesn't matter where you're at around it. You can just spot lock anywhere as soon as you see it and you can just hit it with a cast. I mean, pretty much every time. Right. Yeah. It it saves, keeps your, keeps your lure in those, in those high percentage areas a lot more. Yeah. That's the, uh, the poor man's 360. I think, uh, you know, I've seen Andrew and I have done it on his boat where he doesn't have 360 where, you know, you have your side imaging on the, the front grass, but it's linked obviously to the back by the motor. So you're sitting there like, oh, you're looking at it like, oh, there's a rock off to here. So you're looking back 45 degrees to kind of pair up where everything's at. Yeah. Uh, do the same thing along those lines. Yeah. Good old poor man's 360. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it worked well for, you know, for a long time, but then finally, like, yeah. I mean, the, the 360 just makes it so much easier, man. Um, yeah. So I, I went one step further with it, too. I'd have side imaging, down imaging, 2D on the front end mapping, so I knew where everything was. But on a 12-inch screen, it gets oh, really yeah. little and convoluted. <laughs> yeah, and that's like – that's part of the reason why I ended up going with with two graphs. Um, I, I wanted to – with, well, with the 360 especially, but I, I wanted the ability to, to run everything and right. on either screen as well, just to 
you know, just to make sure I, I could have everything that I wanted on the screen at any time. Yeah, and I, I kind of want to pick your brain about this too um, because I think there's very few people, at least to my knowledge, that run 360 on a kayak, first of all, but then also run a 360 and a forward facing. And when I was thinking about it, because I plan on fully having Mega Live. Mega Live should be you know, coming before next season begins. Hopefully. Um, yeah, Hopefully. But the, the plan with that is in terms of usage, because I have the same setup in terms of I have a Helix 9 at my hip, I have a Helix 10 up front. And right now, being with 360, it's nice because I can have side imaging, you know, my down imaging and 2D mapping, all that jazz on the 9 that have 360 be fully encompassing on the front for 360 on the Helix 10. Uh, but in terms of using both, you know, part of me thinks there might be rare occasions when I'll have both. You know, maybe like a, like a Lake You Fall in Alabama is a great example where the Hobie TOC is at, where especially if you're in a brush pile deal, where you can have, you know, you're mapping in a 360 next to you on the nine and have your forward facing on the front without the 10. But, I, you know, I don't think there's a lot of cases where I'll probably run both on the kayak. But I'm curious your take on how you're going to use that with the two only having two screens and utilizing 360 and live. So I've had the live for very little time now and kind of just trying to get it dialed in and get used to it. Cause like, I mean, it, for me, it's a whole new concept. Like I've, I haven't, I mean, I've seen the, the different live, but never really got any time with them. So, um, for, and, and for me right now, it's kind of a bad time because I'm fishing for striper, like not doing normal stuff that I would do, like bass fishing, basically. Um, right. So uh, I don't know, but my plan is like right now, ideally is I'd, I'd just have the and and again, this may change, but um, I'd have the 360 running on one screen, have the mega live running on one screen and it. I, I could if I need the maps, I can split the the uh, 360 screen with maps because um, mm. that does help quite quite, quite a bit um, sometimes. But um, but yeah, I think really for the most part, just having the the 360 on one, the Mega Live on the other, and then you know if I'm running somewhere doing something else, I'll, I'll pull. I usually pull those out of the water and then just run uh, side imaging maps uh, down in sonar. Right. Yeah. yeah I, you know, that being said, I think a good question that I'm curious about because I've seen you be successful in tournaments doing a few different things, but are you more of a, I mean, t to yourself, like if you were asked this question uh, and you kind of reflect back on you as an angler, are, are you more of an offshore deep water kind of guy or do you like to be on the bank in shallow water and like power vision? Yeah. I mean, all, offshore <laughs> for sure. Yeah. My man. Um, so you like to kind of utilize your electronics to full capacity and trick those fish that aren't seeing as many baits, at least for us still, still up in the north. Offshore is kind of like a new thing for for, for many, it seems. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I still feel like it's there. there's so much and there's a lot more people fishing offshore doing this electronic stuff. And, um, you know, they have they all have the top of the line stuff as well. But um, I still feel like there's so much that goes missed, 
And, um, you know, the, the lakes, all the, these lakes we fish for tournaments, a lot of them are huge. And not everybody's that's fishing offshore is finding all this stuff that that's out there. And so like you come across a couple of different things that maybe nobody's found, who knows, but, um, very few people, you know, and, and you can find fish on that stuff. And, 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 you know, when you do that and you think you found something, nobody else has found, like that's, that's really when, when you start to do good in tournaments, um, but finding yeah. finding that stuff that just people people aren't fishing a lot or ever really. Yeah, and I think so. I think on that, there's something to be said for folks that can afford these technologies and will buy them, thinking that they're automatically just going to start using them efficiently and it's going to work for them, and they're going to see all these amazing things, and then they realize that there's an additional added effort to actually using these things in the correct manner. And they just don't end up using them and they go back to the bank or they go back to docks where just because you own it doesn't mean you know how to use it right. I know and a lot then, of people like that. Yeah. And, and then I think there's something else to be said to a kayak sense that, you know, that you, like you said, there's very few kayak anglers that might be out doing some of that, you know, that offshore game of, you know, trying to find stuff that maybe no one else has found. But I think there's even fewer that are out there willing to put the work in the, the man hours in of actually graphing for this stuff and having the, you know, the, the patience to, to be able to stare at a screen and a kayak that's going two, three miles an hour the whole time to find stuff like that. Where there, I don't think there's I think there's a very small percentage, especially kayak anglers that are doing that. Yeah, I mean, it it, it took me a long time to get dialed in like with side imaging even like it, with with what i've learned with it i mean i'll tell you with it i mean my first my first my, my, i'm starting to get some reverb here yeah that was andy sorry I okay 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 um yeah i had a i got a helix five um i don't know when uh, quite a few years ago and i uh I, it had side imaging on it and I, I didn't know what I was looking at when, when I turned the side imaging on. I didn't know how to dial it in, get it looking good. And I didn't know if I did, I didn't know what I was looking at. And um, finally, I started watching videos and, and kind of figured out what I, what I was looking at, you know, what, it, what the screen was showing me when, I, when I'd go over top of something and how it was supposed to look and how it looked on the graph. And I, it kind of clicked for me all of a sudden. And I started, I started using it and I was like, man, I got a five inch screen here trying to run the side imaging. This is just like, this isn't good. And I mean, as soon as, as soon as I kind of started learning that side imaging, I went out and bought a Helix 10 and it was just, it, it just went from there. Like the, all the stuff that you can see with it, it just blew my mind and started catching fish using it, you know, fishing offshore and you know, just really never looked back since then. I'm like, man, I, I love this technology stuff. Like I want to keep at it and, and still, still here now trying to figure out this uh, mega live now. Yeah. I'm super pumped to get more of your feedback as you use it on the kayak. And I think, I think that with your kayak that you have that autopilot, it's going to play a big, a more of an advantage in your case being that I think, so let's, let's, let's compare this quick. And this is no knock at any brand. 
So I have a Hobie 12 360. You have an autopilot with an Altrax that has spot lock. I think personally, you're going to have a better advantage of using that Mega Live because you won't have to worry about your boat floating off of any position or which way your heading is. So you're going to be able to full, really keep up with that fish better. So I think you, you probably have you have a swivel map, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be able to keep up with those fish, I feel like, a little bit better and not wor- uh, worrying much less on, you know, is your kayak going to stay in one place where I'm going to have to worry about my foot pedals a little bit and also still looking at the screen and keeping up with that fish on Mega Live and worrying about making sure I'm not missing a hook set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like it, it's a lot going on. And, yeah, having having that spot lock is definitely – going to help i mean it helps with the with the 360 now and and just yeah with the with the mega live you know not having to worry about positioning as much and just being able if i need to turn it you know i can turn it and and then get my hand back on the reel as quick as possible with nothing else going on so so yeah i think the spot lock's definitely going to be key fishing fishing offshore stuff with the with the live and it probably helps in those long days too when you want to get some graphing done, but you're whooped. I I, I couldn't hear what you said. Oh, sorry. I said it probably helps on those days when uh, when you're when you're whooped at the end of like a practice day, but you want to graph something, and you just click a little click the button and you're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I. Dude, I've I've loved this kayak. Like I was kind of hesitant when when they first came out with it, and um, after after some time in it, that motor's that motor's amazing. Like it's not the fastest motor out there, but it has the abilities that a lot of or pretty much you know unless you get another like bow mount uh, hump or Mancota, you know you don't have these capabilities. So right, it's. Mm-hmm. It's definitely helped me a lot over the past two years. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I, I mean, boat positioning as well. Well, kayak positioning when you're fishing the offshore spot, the spot lock, you're able to maintain your spot even better. So it, it, it's awesome. That I'm, I'm just fascinated by the kayak game and how far it's come. So it's, it's neat. Yeah, it's been it's been awesome kind of being a part of this growth and, and seeing where it's going. I mean, you know, five years ago, fishing like the KBF National Championship, there was like a handful of people that had motors on their kayak. And now, I mean, you're talking, I'd, I'd guess over 50% have, mm-hmm. probably have motors, but, you know, probably – 90 95% probably have motors and a pedal drive and or motors or a pedal drive. So, I mean, it's, it's been, it's been amazing. just kind of watching the more, more and more people get motors over the years. And now it's like, that's the majority. If you don't have a motor, like you're, you're kind of on, on the outside looking in. Yeah. I think unless you're fishing like small river stuff, I mean, I think the paddle tax is, is a dying breed. I think the, the only guy, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I could be completely wrong here, but the only one that I know that's still consistently very successful in the kayak game that still uses a paddle kayak is Drew Gregory. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, he's definitely one, but he's also – he's got motors on his now too. He, I mean, he yeah. does paddle a lot still. But, um, I mean, he's definitely moving to motors in those, you know, in the tournaments that allow it. And, but, you know, there's, there's a few people that are like, like, uh, Russ Snyder's, for example. I'm pretty sure he's out there, uh, paddling in these Hobie tournaments when he fishes them. Uh, they, they don't allow the motors. So he's, he's out there paddling and still, you know, still whooping people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very true. Well, dude, I, I kind of want to uh, switch gears here and start talking about a little night fishing because this is something that I really wasn't into very heavy until uh, a buddy of mine uh, talked me into going out with him because just from I think from a schedule standpoint and like it's everyone majority of folk have nights that they can go fish. It's more of are you okay going to work the next day knowing that you're only going to have three hours of sleep maybe. Right. Uh, so once I actually yeah. like sucked it up and decided to go try night fishing, I think I was out almost every night for like the next like two and a half weeks, weather permitting, because it's some of the most fun I think I've had. Uh, and I'll start it with saying that like, like we kind of talked about a little bit offline is one of my first experiences was like there's a there's a you, you realize that there's like a time window when things really get good and when things start to shut off a little bit. And one of my first experiences is you start hearing that bait pop around you because all these bass underwater, yeah. you can see things start to come to life, especially in your graph. And it seems like they push the bait shallower and shallower. And it almost sounds like it's starting to rain. Like I really, I really thought it was about starting to rain, but it's actually all the bait that's popping around you. And once you start hearing like cannonballs falling from the sky, that's when you know, like your next cast, <laughs> you're about to get slammed. <laughs> and you, the cool part is like yeah. you can't see it. You can't see anything. You you can just hear your bait or feel your bait, and you just, your rod's gonna get taken out of your hand. But uh, I think really to to dive more into this conversation, and I want to throw it at you, Casey, is what got you started in night fishing, and what what kind of like you know what kind of fuels your drive to go out at night and fish. So it really started. Um, there, so my my neighbor, uh, he's got he had a John boat, and he'd go out and do some striper fishing at night. And uh, I, you know, I loaded up my rods in his boat, and we went out. I'd never really done it before; I had no idea what I was doing, couldn't see anything. <laughs> like it, it was it was kind of brutal at first, hmm. but um, but you know, we started catching some striper. You know, it was again that was this time of year. And we started catching some stripers and, and doing pretty good. And then I kind of started going out on my own in the kayak and trying to figure it out myself and um, just start, started catching some big stripers. And and that I had never caught stripers before. I didn't really know there was freaking big stripers in Smith Mountain Lake. And then, you know, starting catching, you know, 30, 30, 35 inch stripers like the, the pull that they put on your rod, man, is, is an amazing feeling. But, um, you know, again, I'm kind of a bass fisherman at heart. And then, but we kind of going into the spring and this is and exactly what you described there. It happens to us in the spring here. So at Smith Mountain Lake and other lakes across the country as well, but I've only really experienced it like this at Smith Mountain Lake. But um, they have a shad spawn and the shad 
at a certain time during the night, the shad come up on the banks and usually here it's on riprap banks and they start, they start spawning. And shortly after you start hearing those shad, you'll just hear exactly what you described. It's like bombs blowing up all over the lake. And it's so quiet out there at night. You, you can hear them on, on the other side of the Creek you're in or, or, you know, wherever you'll hear them just all around you. And you're like, Oh, holy crap. And yeah, you can't see a whole lot, but, um, we go out there, throw a little wake bait up against the the rocks, and you'll catch you'll catch largemouth, you'll catch smallmouth, you'll catch flatheads, you'll catch striper, you'll catch anything that's in that lake at that time, and they're just feeding like crazy, and it's the most unbelievable fishing I've ever done, and I look forward to doing that every single year. Um, as much as I love like tournament bass fishing during the day and I, I you know i love it but i'd give it all up if i could just do this all year long fish at night during the shad spawn because it's just there's nothing else like it literally everything comes to life like at night and, and so the time really the only time period that i've really night fished was like during the dog days of summer when you can't really catch crap during the day, like when things get really tough. And when I knew the power of night fishing was, I went out on one of these lakes that was like maybe getting 17, 18 pounds on a good day to win a tournament out of. And I went out there at night when it was like a really tough time of year. It was like mid-August, which is kind of – in New York, it's, it's pretty tough. And went out that night, and I think I had 24 pounds in like two and a half hours throwing top waters and that was smallmouth and largemouth and it's not a time of year you catch smallmouth in that lake and i just was mesmerized like it's it's crazy what comes to life and like it's funny you say flatheads i have never caught bullhead catfish like on any artificial whatsoever i was catching them on top water like more than one and i thought that was just kind of crazy like i was catching smallmouth largemouth bullhead i was catching perch i was catching pike tiger musky like everything comes together and then just has their own Thanksgiving every night. It's wild. Yeah. Now, I mean, it sounds like, like, do you know, is that the shad spawn or it, cause, cause to me, that sounds exactly like the shad spawn when, what you're, what you described, but I don't know um, if it's yeah, a different no, time of year up there or what. Yeah. We don't really have, uh, a shad oh, yeah, spawn, quote unquote. Shad. Yeah, we don't really have like your your southern shad spawn. I think it's really just the, yeah. these fish. We kind of get a lot of uh, we have like a lot of chasers in terms of like when the things get into the summer, they stop relating to certain stuff. I don't really know the reasoning behind it, uh, but they start chasing schools of owl lives, and I think at night it's just it's a lot easier for these you know, these bass, pike, whatever, to push these schools up into the shallow grass and, and feed a lot heavier. Um, but, I mean, that's my only really theory. Yeah, well, that's that's Sorry? So the, it's, from my understanding, it's actually owl wives that, I, that when I say the shad spawn, it's, it's, it's the owl wives. Hmm. And, um, yeah, to me, to me, I think you're describing the shad spawn. So, like, I, I really think that's what's going on when you're talking about it. Cause that's exactly what, I, I mean, it, it doesn't happen all year for, for us, you know, it's just, it's just for about two months, like maybe two and a half months, but, um, but it's like unbelievable. 
Yeah, and actually, you know what? That might very well be what it is because I've only ever really fished at night from like mid June to mid August, and I've never really tried it any other time frame. I, I, that very well could be it. I I can almost guarantee you that's what it is. Like, I mean, I'm not an expert on shad spawn. I'm an expert on shad spawn here at Smith Mountain Lake, but it's different at every other lake I've been to. But Grass Lake, Smith Mountain Lake's not a grass lake. Um, but everything that I've seen, it's generally around grass on, on lakes that have grass. So, I mean, yeah, that, that would make perfect sense to me, hmm. which, which is pretty to... cool. Like I, I, I try, I try learning as much about the, you know, the shad spawn at, at other lakes, just because I, from what I've seen, it's so much different everywhere you go. But, um, but, it, but it's pretty cool. Right. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go test this theory out. Not now, now that we're getting to some really cold temps, but like, yeah, good luck. I think, uh, yeah, yeah. So like maybe early October, but also into the spring, I'll have to test this time frame and uh, report back with results on if it's anything similar to what I experienced in the summer months, at least. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be interested on that. Yeah, so I guess to to kind of dig into this more. You know, when you know that there's not really a shad spawn going on, because I feel like when that's going on, you can kind of get away with doing a lot of things in terms of just kind of relating to the bank or structure to catch these fish. And I'm assuming, like you said, a wake bait, so throwing like a top water or a wake bait. Uh, but like when things for you, I guess, in time, times where night fishing is tougher or maybe you have to implement more strategy to it, what kind of strategy do you have in mind when you set out to go fishing at night? So it kind of just depends on the time of year. So during the summer, um, I have a lake that I fish like pretty consistently. And I, I get asked this a lot. A lot of people see me fishing at night all the time. And they're like, hey, man, what, what do you do to catch fish at night? My first thing of advice for anybody is in, in general – as, as long as there's not a shad spawn, if it's a shad spawn or something else, like that's, that's completely different. But like just in general, do the same thing you're doing during the day. I, I for the most part, I throw the same things. Mo most of the time, the same colors. Like I, I'm, I'm big on green pumpkin around here and throw green pumpkin at night, shaky head, throw a drop shot. Um, I'm fishing the same same places uh for the most part and and doing you know the, the same lures that i'm gonna fish during the day uh there are a few different things that i'll do sometimes and a lot of it comes down to a timing deal because because the fish will just like they'll do during the day sometimes but at night you know again they'll they'll pull up and feed at a certain time or whatever mm -hmm. and if you can time that right you know you can or uh, I don't power fish a ton. I'm, I'm more of a finesse fisher, but then I'll start throwing a little more power power baits when I know um, or, or think that they're coming up to to kind of feed and push bait up shallow and whatnot. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, literally, my biggest advice is just start by doing the exact same thing you're doing during the day, and it, it just blows people's mind a lot of times. But but really, that's that's when I have my most success. I think. Yeah, I always. I never really tried so like a drop shot and stuff like that. Not like and people talk about throwing a big worm. People talk about throwing like a jig and stuff at night. And like 
it's always crazy to think about that like that's like stuff that they can feel uh but it just it's nuts to me how that they can walk in on that and actually be able to like be efficiently be able to eat it if that makes any sense whereas like for me when i've gone out night fishing it's always been with a like a whopper plopper or a chapo and then like a, a black that like and it's all like just straight jet black because and we'll get into colors in a second yeah like I always saw that the most disturbance you can make, the most noise you can make, the easier it is for that fish to lock in. But like like you said, like throwing a drop shot or a jig. I, I tried it before, and it seems like there's no difference in them being able to like not be able to, I guess, see it, but more feel it with their lateral line as I think what they're doing. But uh, but talking talk about maybe your color schemes and stuff like that. Do you change it up at all from the day and night so that maybe it's more efficient when things get dark? 95% of the time, no, I don't. I throw in the same thing that I throw during the day. That's crazy. Man. And what about that 5% of the time that you do? Uh, just like Bailey was saying, I'll either switch to a darker color, you know, a black, you know, something darker or a little bit bigger of a worm. Or, I mean, I'll, I'll, I throw an old monster quite a bit, like on a, on a Texas rig. Um, even during the day, but sometimes I'll throw that a little bit more during night. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, just, just a darker profile and something a little bit bigger that, that moves the water a little bit more, uh, when you're, when you're moving it. Got it. Now, um, is there any like certain baits you'll throw during like moon phases or cycles of what's going on? Like how important is the moon with night fishing? And then with bait selection, I, man, I've been trying to figure out the moon. So I, depending on what time of year, when I'm out, when I'm out fishing the shad spawn, I am looking for a full moon. Um, well, I guess I guess most of the time. I, I think the full moon is probably the best bet mm -hmm. this time of year when I'm night fishing, even though I did pretty good last night um, on a full moon. Well, I don't know if it's quite full, but it was, you look up in the sky, it looks pretty like big moon. I don't know if it's technically the full moon or not, but um, I did pretty good that night, but generally I'm out fishing dock lights and people's bait lights that are, that are, that they have out, you know, to attract, attract bait and, right. and attract fish. And I think the full moon generally hurts that that type of fishing um, at night, just because it illuminates the whole lake, and those fish just the the bait stays a little bit more spread out, and the fish I think stay a little bit more spread out as well. But um, but yeah, I mean for the most part during during the shad spawn, the full moon a hundred percent. If anything, just because you can see better. Um, but but I, I definitely think I've had my some of my best days on the full moon fishing fishing uh, wake bait top waters. Hmm. Is it? Do you find? But any... again, I, I know some. Go ahead. So I was going to say I know some guys down in Florida that they they say the exact opposite when they're throwing a frog. They don't want they don't want any any moon, and I'm like. Which means they're so fishing I, a, full, I, a new moon. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's kind of funny. So I too, don't like, know, man. Like, I apologize. Go ahead. I'll let you finish first. It's all right. Um, so, yeah, so I, the moon phase has just been kind of hit or miss for me. Like, I've, I've really tried to figure it out, and I just – I can't come to an exact science about it for sure, but um, except during certain times of year. So I've, I've had big bags when there's the, you know, the new moon, I've had big bags when there's the full moon and all in between. And it just, it really just seems hit or miss to me. And there's, there's so many other variables when, when they go along with just the moon phase, you know, Mm -hmm. as well as the, the weather and, and all that. So it, for me, it's just, it's almost too much to keep up with. I just, yeah, I just go fishing and uh, see what happens. <laughs> Hope for the best. <laughs> I, I yeah. like that because the more you kind of just go fishing, the more loose you are, and you're not worried about the little things such as the moon phase. It, and it could help us, right? Like I know musky guys that will only fish on new moons, and they will, and they refuse to fish on full moons because they're like they feed better when it's a new moon. So I was just trying to like tie in the correlation. I wonder if a striper would eat better on a full moon because it makes the bait rise in the surface as to where maybe like a large mouth or a small mouth or a spot might feed better on a new moon up shallow. So that that's kind of where I was trying to go with it. Yeah, I mean, it's just for me, it's really dependent upon the time of year, which one I'd rather fish. And I don't know that it's, uh, like I said, during the chat spawn, for me, I'm fishing so close to the bank. I'm literally fishing parallel to the bank, mm-hmm. a foot away from the bank. So I really like having that moon just because I can see better. I can make more accurate casts and not cast up in the rocks or hit the land on top of docks and whatnot. So so that may play into why I do better during the full moon. I don't know. But um, but. But yeah, that time of year, full moon is is one hundred percent for me. Have you found that there's anything maybe behavioral wise, or maybe a certain I don't know, maybe a certain in terms of how bass will will locate themselves that helps you kind of correlate back to like during the daytime and use you know for like fishing tournaments. Like, is there anything that's helped you? learn more about bass at night that's correlated back to, you know, maybe your tournament performance. Um, I don't know. I can't say that for sure. Like, like I said, for the most part, I'm doing the same things I'm doing during the day. Um, so I, I, I can't say that I've really seen anything that, that made that big of a difference. Right. So, uh, obviously, the fishing can get pretty gnarly at night and a lot of fun, but I I think uh, fishing aside, are there any advantages to fishing at night and not during the day? Like, maybe not avoiding – I mean, I I think you actually said you had, like, some crazy experience with jet skier, but, like, for the most part, is it much more peaceful fishing at night than during the day? Oh, yeah. I mean, way better. I mean, during the summer, you'll have a lot of people out on Smith Mountain Lake day and night. Well, I, I say a lot. It's During night, it's a lot less, but it's a lot for, for night fishing in general. But, um, but yeah, it, 
for the most part, Smith Mountain Lake's so big, you'll have, you know, you'll have quite a few people out there, but there's times where you'll, you'll never see another boat, um, mm-hmm. just depending on where you're at. If you're back in a creek or something and, you know, you won't have another boat, the lake will be slick, calm, and you'll be like, you're like, well, where am I? And it's, it's just unbelievable just how, how calm it gets out there. Um, I mean, you got you got docks everywhere. You'll have some people out on their docks and whatnot. You'll hear some music playing every once in a while. But I mean, it's just it's so much more peaceful, especially if you get to a smaller lake where that you know you don't have docks and you don't have a lot of there right. more people fishing. You know, um, and you know you you hear you hear deer walking through the woods. You'll hear raccoons on the bank. You'll shine your lights. You'll see you'll see some some eyes looking back at you like um you just got to watch out for them uh heron they'll they'll fly around and get get hooked up on your lines i had i had a mess with one of those one night too (laughs) but but um yeah that wasn't fun passed on that one (laughs) but it doesn't sound like fun at all (laughs) no man I, i wish this I wish it could have been uh, on video because I'm in the middle of this cove on Smith Mountain Lake, and I I cast down the bank, and the bird flies up, gets tangled in my line, and like he's flying away, and the lure's getting closer to him as he's flying away. The line's kind of running over his back, and then all of a sudden the lure hits him. And then the bird just comes dive bombing down to the to the water, and I'm like, "Oh crap!" And, not, uh, good. <laughs> not good. No, it was not good. And I'm out here cussing in the middle of the lake, like, "What? What am I gonna do now?" And then, and um, yeah, I had to had to wrestle with the bird for a little bit, and uh, luckily got my lure back. Bird went away safely. Got a picture with it, and um, uh. A pretty crazy story, and I'm sure if there was anybody out on their back porch that night, uh, kind of <laughs> looking down at the lake, hearing me cuss, and, and trying to figure out what the heck was going on down there, I'm sure they had a laugh as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, that sounds like a nightmare. Like, I've tangled with seagulls and stuff during the day, but a seagull's way different than a heron. That thing, that's crazy, dude. No thanks. Yeah, I, I didn't say- know what to do, man. It was, it was pretty wild. Yeah, dude, it sounds like it. Uh, but I will say, dude, there's been times where I've been close to like catching a bald eagle, and that's like one of those things where one, you feel like you're like assaulting your country, but then two, you're like, there's no way in hell I'm getting this bait back. No, not even close. <laughs> I will say there, there's been yeah, a, there's a really cool time. Uh, I was fishing a lake that had a big cornfield next to it, and. Uh, it was one of those moments where you, it was almost like timing kind of came together and you're like, things get quiet and you get like a, you take like a moment, just kind of like look around because it's so dead, so quiet, nothing going on. And then right up in the cornfield, I could see him in the silhouette that deer were, or, uh, deer were running and I see coyotes chasing him. And then you start hearing the coyotes howl. That was probably one of the coolest things I've ever experienced was that. I mean, I hear coyotes all the time, but like, oh, yeah. the silhouette, that thing was pretty cool. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, they those things. I, I got scared there a couple of times when I go to get off the water and you hear nothing but freaking coyotes howling in every direction around you. I'm like, oh man, 
<laughs> but yeah, never, never actually seen them out there. <laughs> yeah. Case, do you hunt at all? I don't, man. I don't hunt. No, I just fishing is my game, man. My man, same. Dude, I I will say there is something, and my my brother is the, is the fault for this. And my brother, like I am to bass fishing, my brother is to hunting, and uh, he got me into hunting coyotes. And one of the coolest ways, where if you want if you want a wicked wicked adrenaline rush, is you go hunting for coyotes. And the way you hunt for these, like to really do it efficiently, is you do it at night, middle of the night. You go out to like for us in New York, we go down the southern tier because the southern tier there's a lot more public land, but also there's a lot more cornfields, a lot more like just general woods for these things to to roam and less houses obviously to get in the way. But we went out one night and it was like my one of my first nights ever really coyote hunting. And you get rifles and you have these big red floodlights that go on top of your gun. And basically you get, you get tri we got like tripods and everything. You stand back to back in the middle of a cornfield. You put out a, a decoy with a sound and everything to go off for these things. And you're basically just scanning these wood lines while you're in the middle of the field, almost like bait. And you're scanning these wood lines because they, they can't see red. So you use these red floodlights. And once you start calling to them, you can hear packs in the distance start reacting and calling back. And you hear them getting closer and closer and that first night I did it, we got some so close that, that you can see their eyes running along the tree line. They're, they're smart. And they, all you see is eyes. And it, it was one of the coolest moments. My brother's just like, as soon as you see an eye on that tree line, step out. He goes, it's safety off and let them have it. Dude, it is some of the most adrenaline yeah. rushing things you'll ever do. It, it's awesome. Oh, yeah. I believe that, man. That that kind of sounds like right up my alley, man. That that would be pretty fun. Um, We're shooting hogs. Yeah, I got I got a couple buddies that, that do it. <laughs> yeah, no. Sorry, it, go ahead. I said uh, I'm, the only thing that might be as fun is that is shooting hogs from a helicopter in Texas. That that would be wild, man. <laughs> the helicopter game throws throws a whole other thing in there, but yeah, that that would be pretty awesome. Yeah, it's dude, it's something. If you're ever interested, you'll have to come up. I'm looking forward to doing that this winter. If we have, if we if we ever get any uh, ice, yeah. that's probably what I'll resort to as my activity to to balance me until uh, tournament season and, and things start opening up in the in the spring. But. Uh, Dude, I, I know one of our buddies, Zach Hall, and Casey, you might know of Zach Hall. He does some kayak stuff. He actually fished the, the Tournament of Champions. Um, he does some yeah. stuff in Texas and Louisiana. They take, like, infrared guns, like, infrared scopes on their guns, and they go out for these hogs. You can, like, creep up to, like, 30 yards away from them because they can't hear very well. But you can see them with a the scope. They're just walking around, and then you unload them. <laughs> that stuff sounds like a lot of fun, too. Like, yeah, that. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. That's like, you know, kind of using the technology like we're using our fish finders and stuff, but using that technology in a in a different different kind of way, man. That's that's pretty cool to be able to to see like see infrared like that, you know. Like that that'd be real fun to do. Yeah. Yeah, well we, we won't talk too much about hunting because it is a serious angler podcast, not the serious hunter, but maybe we got an idea Andy for for down the road as a uh segment idea but no uh but uh but casey we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up in a little bit and uh and uh we'll, we'll let you go 
But uh, we got one last question for you. And uh, Andy, you got anything before we hit him with you? No, um, I just want to know what your favorite bait is. One for largemouth at night and then for the striped bass. Because are, are they pure striped or are they like wipers? Are they hybrids on Smith Mountain? Just so I guess that's a two-part question. I've always been told they're they're pure stripers, but some of them have broken lines, and I've been told by people that means they're they're hybrids. But I don't know that that's one hundred percent the case. Um, for from my knowledge, like the uh, the state of Virginia, they they call them stripers. So I I don't think they're hybrids, but um, okay. I don't know. Um, but as far as like my favorite lure, um. For for largemouth, I've caught fish on a shaky head all year long, um, all around the country. Um, green pumpkin shaky head about three three eighths ounce. Uh, it's a good universal. If I weight. can, I, yeah, yeah. Those are stripers. Those are yeah, that's a stripers. striper for sure. Things massive. Yeah, I mean that was I, I always thought they were striper, but like I said, there's been some that have broken stripes, but they're I mean I've the the hybrids seem to be a little bit like I guess taller is the is the word I'm looking for, but these ones are just they're they're pretty long and slender. I mean you'll get some fat ones, but like yeah, they as far as I know, they're stripers. Awesome. Um, but so yeah. fishing for stripers at night, I'll just throw uh a local guy makes it he calls it a swamp monkey it's just a round jig head um with the with the skirt on there uh and put a fluke on there a swim bait or i'll put a i got a big curly tail grub that i've been throwing on there recently and um just mm -hmm. kind of throw it under lights and and slow roll it burn it just trying to figure out the depth that they're they're really at that night and um and that's my go-to for stripers. Too much fun. I want to. I want to catch a striper or a hybrid. Like that's bucket list for me. Yeah, that's one thing I never done that I'm itching to do is get out after those suckers. They're yeah, they're they're so much fun. I look forward to it every year. Um, I really, I really need to get out on the salt and chase some of the stripers. Uh, when when they come through, on the I know salt, a guide in Connecticut you, you that do does it. it. Really? Yeah, off the beach at nighttime. He said the bite right yeah, now is that, just insane. Really? Maybe yeah. That yeah, that would be so much fun, man. And you can catch. I mean, there's some big stripers in Smith Mountain Lake, but but catching some some saltwater stripers, dude, they get so freaking massive. Yeah, I was talking to him about a week ago. He said he got one right around 45 pounds from the beach. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> I couldn't imagine, man. Those things tug so freaking hard. Yeah. Like, they're, they're, they're a freight train when they when they hit and pull. Just wild. No thanks. <laughs> no thanks. Sign me up. It sounds like way too much fun. Yeah. <laughs> Andy, anything uh, left for Casey here before we hit him with the last yeah, question? Yeah, man. I want to say it was a pleasure meeting you. Best of luck in the kayak world. I I personally am a boater, so um, it, it's always cool to hear the, um, the insight from a kayak angler. So thanks for taking the hour out and joining us tonight, well, today. 
So thank yeah. you for that. Yeah, and, of uh, course. Best of luck in 2022 and safe travels. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, dude. Well, uh, before we cut you loose here, uh, we got one last question for you. And it's one that we like to uh, to ask everyone that's new to the show. And that is uh, if you could sit down and have a beer, have a steak with three different individuals. Uh, they don't have to be fishing uh, related. They could be alive a thousand years ago or now. It doesn't matter. Uh, everyone is free game. But if you could sit down with three individuals, have a steak, have a beer, and pick their brain, who are you going to invite? Um, I'd have to say probably, I mean, the only thing that can come to my mind right now is probably going to be fishing related, but, um, yeah, that's, that's fine. one, um, Aaron Martins, um, he's the one who's got me throwing a drop shot as much as I do. Um, I, I watch him catch so many fish all over on a drop shot and I really, I, I, I just, I love it. And it was so funny because I remember seeing a video from him like a couple years later after I seen him throw the drop shot all the time. And then he's like, man, I hate throwing the drop shot. <laughs> he's like, I really don't like it. I'd rather be doing something else, but it catches fish. And um, I mean, he's right. I, I, I love throwing the drop shot and um, you know, it's just, it's, it's unfortunate what, you know, what, kind of what happened with him, but um. But he's definitely, definitely somebody I've always looked up to um, throwing the drop shot. So, so he'd definitely be one of them. Um, you know, I think I think another is one that I've I looked up to growing up as a kid, uh, Jimmy Houston. Uh, I, I used to love watching this TV show back in the day, and um, dude, he was kissing every fish when he throw it back and like got had me doing that you know when i was young and i'm like <laughs> my mom's calling me crazy like what are you doing kissing those fish i'm like that's what you gotta do you gotta kiss the fish it's good luck <laughs> doesn't matter if they're four um, but, inches but yeah, or Jimmy 14 pounds oh yeah oh yeah for sure but um i i actually got to meet him uh here at the at liberty university they, they do a, a beast feast and um he came and was a spokesperson there so i got to meet him there and i'll um, get a picture with him and whatnot and um but yeah he's definitely somebody that that i've always looked up to as well and and would love to you know sit down and and have a good conversation with um i feel like he's he's been around and seen it all and uh, done it all you know so yeah Heck yeah. And uh, an, another one, uh, just Mike Iconelli. Um, he's a he's a wild dude. I've had a few conversations with him. Um, you know, haven't really not deep conversations or anything, but just a few conversations in passing and whatnot. But um, but to me, he just he knows how to market himself really well and he does a great job at it. And just, he, you know, he's, he's a wild dude on video and everything, but you know, every time I've talked to him, he's just, just as nice as could be as calm as could be. And I just feel like being able to talk with him and just pick his brain about, I mean, fishing about, you know, 
becoming a better uh, what's the word? like uh mar marketing yourself better um you know stuff like that um he he's definitely one that i really liked and i just know he's a real controversial one there's a lot of people that that don't like him you, you kind of either love him or you hate him but um but i but i think he's an awesome dude and you know just it it'd be he'd be one that i'd think i'd choose to sit down and yeah, what do you consider? Have dinner with and have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, dude, that's a that's a, that's a power three. So uh kudos. Kudos like and that. You, you didn't stump yeah. like a lot of people. People a lot of people take it like, oh. Like what? Question. I didn't see that coming. And then they yeah. wait like 30 seconds and they're like, they're like, give me some time to think about these. But now you nailed that. You nailed the kid, dude. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a, it, like fishing's been on the mind, so definitely chose fishing there. But I mean, you know, you asked me a few days later, you know, the answers may be totally different. But I mean, that's <laughs> like, that's what's cool about that question, I guess. It's mm -hmm. just like, yep, that's yeah, why we ask it. Yep, that's exactly why we ask it. Yeah, uh, but dude, seriously, thank you so much for uh, for taking time out to uh, come on the show tonight and talk some night fishing, learn more about you. And uh, yeah. hopefully I'll be seeing you and some of the kayak tournaments this year. And I'm dying to get down there and chase some striper and get on Smith Mountain because I've heard it's just a beautiful lake in general. Uh, but if you're ever trying to get up here and do some uh, some nighttime coyote hunting or fishing or whatever, holler at me. But either way, I hope to see you on, on the trails this year and keep in touch, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. And um, yeah, looking forward to like meeting you in person. And um Yeah, dude, if you're if you're ever down here, if if you want to plan a trip, man, come down uh like May, early May, and well anywhere in May really. And um we'll get on that, that uh Shad spawn bite and catch some striper, catch some bass, uh catch some biggins. Oh yeah, man. Well dude, it's uh it's been fun chatting with you. And uh, we'll, we'll be in touch. All right. Sounds good, man. Y'all take care. Have All right, Casey. Time. We'll see you. Dude, and you've Fun. never really night fished much, have you? I um, grew up night fishing for catfish and walleye. So I have night fished quite a ton. And I will tell you this one. I've caught some of the biggest bass of my life. At night, fishing for walleye. Back like in like my high school days. Both. Dude, it's it's wicked. Like, I'll say that too. I mean, I won't say it was one of the biggest bass in my life, but like, I've caught a handful of five plus pounders, some a couple six pounders at night. And everything I've thrown at night, dude, like straight up, I'd, it honestly was some of the most fun I've had because of the least amount of tackle I ever bring. Yeah. I bring one box. I bring pliers and scissors. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that's it. I bring a two top waters. And that's all you're good for the rest of the night. You can bring a graph, but like if you know where you're fishing, you really don't even need a graph. Yeah. It, it's a whole lot of fun, dude. Turn and burn. Yeah. We need to do it this this coming, this next summer. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, maybe like a trip to Key. Uh, I won't name the lake. So, it's a couple things. <laughs> that I think and you almost fun. slipped up. Yeah, it, it's been a long day. Like, 
<laughs> I saw you falling asleep a couple times there, buddy. Oh, dude, I'm yawning, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I think I'm going to have to go back through here and screenshot at one point because your eyes went, like, cross-eyed, and you were dozing <laughs> I felt it. I was like, this ain't good. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever watched, if you're on YouTube right now, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, there's one. I could feel it. I was like. <laughs> and he's got close to the screen at one point, and he's just like. <laughs> Dude, I I am spent. Like I'm sure you are, buddy. Absolutely spent. Um, but dude, I think. Well, uh, with that being said, before you crash thanks, on this show, thanks for calling right. me out on that. Like the it's You're funny. Like I I was like I hope they didn't see that. Oh, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Casey saw it too. Uh, I warned everybody from the beginning. Okay, I warned. <laughs> but dude, I still uh, got some good questions in. All right, like I was still I was still there. I'm hoping to do some more night fishing next year. I didn't get a chance to do it at all this past summer. Uh, I definitely, it wasn't for, uh, it's not that I didn't have time or the opportunity. I definitely did. I just literally chose my fishing time to be during the day and chose sleep. (laughs) But it really is, if you can take advantage of it, it is a lot of fun. It really is. You know what I personally would like to do on night fishing wise? Like not even so much catch fish. I would rather just go out there and graph because... Everything's probably going to illuminate so nice on your graph at nighttime because of the, the dull image. Sometimes when it's too bright, you don't get such a good return that um, I wonder how graphing at night would be. And if you could actually pick up some stuff that you've never seen before. Yeah, I'm sure it's possible. Yeah, for sure. I know a lot of guys do that. You know, Jake, you hear of Jacob Wheeler, or Adrian Avina and those guys doing it. Back, you know, all throughout the night when it was allowed. Yeah. So. so just interesting. Yeah. Really good show tonight. Uh, obviously, I say tonight, but it's a Friday that you guys will listen to this thing too. But either way, folks, we appreciate you as always tuning in. Make sure you guys are leaving a, leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you can. But uh, I think with that being said, Andy, we'll, we will tune out. We plan on having Dean Rojas on Monday Night Live. Uh, we're about 95% just making sure his schedule is still clear. And then uh, hopefully that's the case. If not, we'll figure out uh, a fun guest and we'll have Dean. Either way, we'll have Dean on coming on the show here soon. But either way, folks, appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll see you guys on. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.